Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus the Christ. Amen. The text for our meditation is the gospel we've just heard. We'll reread the last segment, which we'll be focusing on. And then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, This is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I'm going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. And this is the gospel of our Lord. Dear friends in Christ, how many of you know someone who has died of COVID-19. It seems like it's become close to home for a lot of people. This disease has brought many people face to face with death, up close and personal in a way they probably hadn't experienced before. Now, I think all of us have dealt with death in some form, more of a distance, convenient uh, a portion. For example, uh, my father died at age 91. My mother died at age 90. I mean, this is something we come to expect. In fact, for them, it was a welcome thing um, with their faith. Um, and in the sinful world, this is something, okay, this is uh, what we come to expect. Or we see a newspaper or a TV report of some disaster far away or many people were killed. Oh yeah, death. It's out there someplace. But now, almost everyone has a story of some loved one, somebody close, some family member who has been snatched away by COVID-19. My sister's husband has or had a twin sister. And they're younger than I am. And yeah, she had some underlying conditions, but she became sick with COVID. It got worse. Breathing was hard. She went into the hospital, put in a ventilator. Oh, she seemed to get a little better. They took the ventilator off. And then she died. This one, you know, loved by her children, siblings, her nieces and nephew, here, taken away, you know, even though there were underlying conditions, still, without COVID, she'd probably still be living and, and, and doing things for these people. In our congregation in, in Raleigh, North Carolina, there was a woman, one of the first ones I got to know at all, because she had this cheerful greeting for everyone from her wheelchair with her missing leg, but she got COVID, she got very sick, and hanging on by a thread. Everyone in the congregation was praying for her, and then she died. She came from a culture where they showed their emotions. There was a lot of crying and wailing at the funeral. Siblings, children, mourning her passing. Yeah, even though there were, again, underlying conditions. Without COVID, she'd probably still be living. COVID it just, just brought that 
this unexpected death, death right in our face kind of thing uh, <clears throat> to many families, um, mourning and disruptions. And death is a terrible thing. God did not create us to die. Death causes the opposite of peace. It does not bring peace directly for us believers. Yeah, we understand it, and that's what we want to take a little closer look at. But let's first of all think about some of these people that have died, that you know. What if one day, all of a sudden, there's a person standing in front of you, appears very much alive, looks, sounds exactly like that person that you know died. What would it take to convince you that person was actually there and was actually alive and that was the real person there? I think it would take quite a bit, wouldn't it? That just doesn't happen. That's exactly what these disciples were facing when they had watched Jesus die and be laid in a tomb. And then three days later, there he is standing alive among them. But we have to remember, this is Jesus. His death was not like any other death. He, yes, he did die. He died like every other human being. Uh, he was taken from life by the evil plotting of some evil people, hauled off and crucified, prime of his life. But so it would seem anyway. But his death was actually quite different. From his death comes life. And that life brings peace. So we see Jesus in our text here. First of all, he patiently shows his disciples, it is I, I am truly alive. Look, feel. Oh, do you have something to eat? Ghosts can't eat, can they? And he ate something in front of them. It took a little bit. They finally became convinced. Oh yeah, it is Jesus. He is alive. Then he goes on to explain to them the details of what kind of a different death he's had and, and his resurrection and the peace-giving effect it had. So we want to take a look at that a little bit here. How Jesus' death and resurrection gives peace. Well, to help us start, we can go back just three days. The disciples stood aghast. And then they ran away. That's what was happening before them. Their dear teacher was being arrested, tied up, carried away. A false trial was convened. He was quickly convicted. He was hauled off to Calvary, nailed to a cross. They said, this can't be happening. Why doesn't our miracle-producing teacher do something about this? And then, before their eyes, he died. He was dead. He was taken down to the cross. He was laid in a tomb. He was dead. Wow. But now here, once he's alive again, Jesus explains to them. He says, this is what I told you. This is what is written. Now, Jesus had, in fact, told them several times that these things would happen. 
just exactly as they did have them. He told them he was going up to Jerusalem for this very purpose. Now, what was going through the disciples' mind at that time when Jesus told them these things? What did they understand? What did they comprehend from it? We know they didn't fully understand it until after his resurrection. So, now, though certainly not for the first time, Jesus carefully explains to them that these things are not just my recent plans, and they were, he had planned this, they were things that had been written down in their beloved scriptures, the scriptures that we now know as the Old Testament, for centuries about these things that would happen, his death and his resurrection. Uh, It's all there in various forms. Now, admittedly, to us in our day, we are separated by vast time and distance and, and culture, and so it's harder for us to look at these things and say, oh yeah, there's a clear reference to his being killed, or there's a clear reference to his resurrection, but they are there. God had planned it and did it so that he revealed these things to his people at the right time as they had needs uh, to tell them a little more about this Savior that he would send, would die and rise again. It started way back when Adam and Eve in the garden are feeling guilty and trapped because they had fallen for that that uh, temptation of the devil and have now been separated from God. Oh, terrible. God comes to them now and he says, Oh, I am going to send a descendant of the woman who will crush the head of that serpent, that devil that you fell for. I'm going to crush his power. Now in the process, this descendant will have his own heel crushed So we have the foretaste, first of all, of the suffering that he is going to uh, happen to him. And gradually, throughout the decades and centuries, God fills in with his prophets various details of what is going to happen, and it's all there. By the time the Holy Scripture, the Old Testament is done. And Jesus is pointing out, it's all there, that he would be handed over, that he would suffer, that he would die that he would rise again. Uh, <clears throat> so as Jesus is explaining and pointing out these details alive, these disciples are now starting to relax, be put at ease, to be put at peace, understanding this was all pre-planned. Uh, <clears throat> it happens to us on a smaller scale sometimes. You You come across something that looks like a disaster. Terrible things are happening here. And then you find out, oh, they're just tearing down this building to make way to build a new, better building. Or they're ripping out all these trees and plants here because they want to plant some that are more appropriate for the area. Or visit your friend's home and, whoa, what happened to your kitchen? It's a disaster area. Oh, we're remodeling our kitchen. So something that was worrisome when you first see it, 
becomes, oh yeah, I understand. I'm all at peace because now I understand this is something, this is all pre-planned. This is the way it is supposed to go. And that's what happened with Jesus' death and resurrection. And these disciples not only became convinced of it, were put at peace. Later, they would incorporate this into their own preaching. Yeah, Jesus came and he fulfilled what the scriptures had prophesied about him in his death and his resurrection. Now, we could even add here that even our own life, our own death, and later our own resurrection, those are all under Jesus' control. Sometimes it may seem that COVID is in control. Sometimes it may seem that the cancer which you or a loved one has been diagnosed with, that's in control. But they're not. God is in control. That doesn't mean God causes evil. But God can use evil things to bring good into the life of his people. Sometimes it is a call to repentance to help us realize we were doing something wrong and we need to repent and, and be forgiven. Uh, <clears throat> but in fact, we can read in the Scripture that every death of every believer is something that is a good part of a good plan for that individual. The psalmist writes, Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his faithful servants. Precious is their death whether it be someone like John the Baptist who was beheaded in his early 30s, seemingly at the prime of his life, or John's own father, Zechariah, who was allowed to live a long life in service to his Lord. This is all part of God's plan, and we can be put at peace when we realize that you know, God has these things under control, even in the mess of this world. But we want to learn a little more about Jesus' death and resurrection. That it's not always pre-planned, but it has special power and significance beyond what other deaths have. Because Jesus goes on to say, you know, this is what is written, not only that it would die and be raised, and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in my name to all nations. Here is the heart and core of Jesus' work. His death on the cross, that excruciating death, paid the price for all sins of all people of all time. Sin is forgiven. It is wiped out. And his resurrection proclaimed that is true. And he wants this proclaimed to all people. That forgiveness. But he says repentance and forgiveness. Repentance is an important part of that message he wants proclaimed. Because those who do not recognize that they are sinners, they will not want this forgiveness. They will not believe this forgiveness. They will not benefit from this forgiveness. Um, but God wants them to have it. God does not overlook sin. He does not make little of sin. Rather, he poured out his wrath on his very son because he was carrying our sin to, to pay for that sin. And so preaching repentance, pointing out sin, calling people to turn away from sin, to 
to feel sorry for their sin, to recognize what they're doing is wrong and hurtful. It's part of what Jesus wants proclaimed to his people, and it leads people, it prepares people to believe the forgiveness when it's proclaimed to them. And herein lies the source of the true peace for those of us who, for all of us who recognize and confess our sins. And indeed, it is the lack of repentance that is the basic source of lack of peace in people in this world. Uh, all people have sinned and fall short of God's glory. Fallen short, are separated from God's glory, are separated from their Creator. This results in discomfort, fear of dying, meeting your master, a total lack of peace. But once sin is confessed, forgiveness is proclaimed, a sense of calm and tranquility can come over a person. When sin is forgiven, sin is taken away. That wall between God and man, mankind, is, is taken away. And God and man are at peace. God declares his peace. And when people come to believe this, they can enjoy that peace. Now, of course, all people, including us, are still, at the same time, sinners. Doubts come up because of our sinful nature. Things of this world try and tear us away from that peace we can have, but that peace is still there. We just have to come back to that peace and, and <clears throat> enjoy that peace. It makes us able then to deal with the problems in this world, uh, the difficulties, the death in this world, making it possible for you to face death in quietness, even though death is not a fun thing. Because we know there is a Heavenly Father waiting for us in our heavenly home, waiting to gather us in when He calls us through death. That gives us peace. Now, while it's well, Jesus' death that paid the price for your sins, removed your punishment, without the resurrection, it would all be useless showing that this death, had, this death had paid the price. The worries the disciples had, contemplating their teacher was in a grave, very dead, that was disquieting. There was no peace in their heart then. But then as they saw him alive, that all changed, and they were at peace. Uh, <clears throat> now, each Sunday, we gather here, confess our sins, and then you hear the announcement, your sins are forgiven. I forgive you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. That renews your peace. Every time you listen to the Bible or read the Bible and you run into different expressions of that forgiveness that God has placed there, your sins have been covered. Your sins have been taken away. God has reconciled himself to you. God has made you his child. Just to name a few of the ways this is stated, your peace can be renewed. That's how we can get that peace back that, that sometimes our sinful nature wants to rob from us. Uh, 
And so we can be renewed until we're ready to peacefully meet our Maker whenever that time will come. Peace at the end of, <coughs> of, of death, the resurrection. Kind of reminds me a little bit of World War II, uh, the end of World War II. <clears throat> now, I'm not old enough to go back that far. Uh, I was born five years after it was over, but still, the reports about it, things you read, even to this day, that was a glorious celebration when that war was over. Everyone celebrated in the streets. It was exciting. My father served in the European theater, and our family has a letter that he wrote on the day that peace was declared in Europe, VE Day, uh, and telling about, you know, the excitement and the joy that, that there was there. Uh, <clears throat> now, if, and certainly people wanted to talk about it. Now, Jesus' resurrection, of course, is, is something that brings an even greater peace than the victory of World War II. Certainly it's something we will want to celebrate and talk about. And beyond that, even, Jesus says that his disciples are witnesses of these things. You've seen it. You are a witness. Now, we are not witnesses in the same sense those first 12 disciples were. Uh, <clears throat> but through their writings that God inspired them to write down, some of them, uh, we can know these same things that happened to Jesus. And we can now be witnesses and tell of the peace that he brings and the things that Jesus did to proclaim or procure that peace. Telling it to others can bring us, as well as them, peace. Now, <clears throat> he uses the term witness here. And that term, along with another term he used uh, earlier preach, this, these uh, uh, repentance and forgiveness of sins must be preached, emphasize something about this work we can do. Being a witness requires no uh, <clears throat> creative mind. In fact, it forbids it. it. requires no particular oratorical experience or persuasive skills, no. It involves just telling. Telling what you've seen, what you know. In fact, that's all that should be involved in it. A witness simply relates what they have seen and what they know. Um, and they're you know, forbidden to embellish or add to it. The word preach, translated here, is from a word that um, calls back the ancient herald. A herald was someone who was given a message from uh, authority above him to take and spread in the, in the town square, for example. And again, his, message, his job was not to embellish, not to add to it, not to subtract from it, but simply to tell it. And so our job too, as witnesses and as heralds, is to simply tell what Jesus has done. He died, he rose again to give you forgiveness of sins. Tell what he did for you, that, oh, I have peace because Jesus has taken away my sins. I'm ready to meet him in death. We simply tell about these things. Now, <clears throat> that may seem simple enough in principle, 
But of course, there's much opposition in this world. The natural human mind, sinful human mind, does not understand it, can't understand it, uh, <clears throat> rebels against it. But Jesus promised, I will clothe you with power. A reference there to the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit will be poured out, but also giving us assurance, he will give us power. He will give you what to say. He will help you in those situations so you can be his witnesses and herald. Yes, there is a real lack of peace in this world. COVID-19 has only made that more apparent. Racial hatred and unrest have only served to underline that lack of peace there is in this world. But we have just celebrated the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who procured forgiveness for your sins and peace with God. We can know, we can have peace, because we know that everything that happened to Jesus was pre-planned according to God's plan in Scriptures. We can have peace knowing that our sins have been forgiven. We can have peace being his witnesses. So let us believe it and feel it when Jesus says, Peace be with you. Let this be our greeting for each other. Peace be with you. For Christ has risen. Amen. And the peace of God which surpasses all human understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.